I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. It's cold today. Freezing We're cold. outside of my house. In the car. I think, I think we are safe from the clutches of the law today. <laughs> you never know if a neighbor <laughs> might report us for... for uh, lurking. Lurking. But in we're the, in yeah. the driveway. It's okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to be alright. This time we shouldn't have <laughs> the law enforcement upon us. And I, uh, well, we're going to have to like be swift and speedy because... I'm between classes right now. I mean, it's lunch. I have a break and then a lunch and then... But anyway, it's still tight. We're going to be like lean and mean But guys, we're here. We're here to say hello and what have you. (laughs) What have you been doing with your life lately? Yeah. Becca, what have you been doing? Well, I'll tell you. um, I've been spending way too much time in Minneapolis in Stuck in the Airport. That's right. So last time we all got together and spoke... I was on my way out, and then we were going to D.C., got stuck an extra night in Minneapolis on the way there, got stuck an extra night in Minneapolis on the way back, and it was real, real, real cold in Minneapolis. We were there for the minus 27 yeah. stretch, and um, the hotel couldn't even get hot water up to our room. It was like, it was cold, and then, I mean, the hotel was warm, but there was not hot water in the shower. Then... In the breakfast, like, buffet line, I go through and they had some, you know, just assorted sundries. And I try to take some meat off the platter. Granted, it was going to be cold. Like, it was, you know, frozen to the platter. Like, (laughs) I couldn't chip it off. Was it that cold in the hotel or was it frozen meat? It was was just not the right time. I just felt like everything knew that it was too cold outside. Yeah, it was like we can't get on board. But I, I kind of wondered you know you're like why did the settlers stop here it must have been summer and yeah, they got they got snookered like, in they put their crops in the ground and then it was too late that yes i well that's that's the thing i always wonder about i just watched this today i think that like video of how people built an eskimo i mean how eskimos built a igloo with moses and you think why did you stop there? No, it, Why did you think, let's just do it like this? I think you were running away from something worse. And then and you, so the best shot was to stop yeah. and just live in snow huts. I'll hunker down here. Really. In the Arctic. Really tragic. But I've been in Minneapolis in the rest of the year and it's quite lovely weather. So yeah, you have to dig out of was, that one now that you've said yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't mean to insult everyone's <laughs> homeland. Actually, if I was to look here right now, I'd be like, why did anyone stop here? It's real cold, guys. No, you would not. It's beautiful, even it though it's cold. It is beautiful. If we were strictly looking on terms of heat, then yes. Yeah. Why mm. stop here? But it's being beautiful. And I suppose if you went somewhere where it was universally warm, then you have things like scorpions and mosquitoes with diseases. Um, There's a downside. There's a downside to everything. <laughs> Beck is working it out about where to settle. What kind of climate? If I was a pioneer. Let's make some pros and cons. Where would I have let's gone? do that. I have yeah. to say, though, one of my favorite things about here, and this is true all over the states, but but I know it here the best. Uh, one of my favorite things is when you're driving in the country, and it's and it's big, big, like... Sky? Huge sky, long expanses of fields with no ends and it's rolling hills mostly right around here which is just beautiful but it doesn't make it less 
um, empty when you're just yeah. bombing through. You know, there's like one highway that goes north yeah. in Idaho, and it's just tons and tons and tons of farmland. And that is where I always or think of how, how brave those people were who are like, mm-hmm. right here. Let's Gonna stop. Let's see what we can get pin. done here. And then the amazing thing to me is, and it's beautiful, is the places where there are these little marks on the land of where someone did make their life. Yeah. But there, that, I, that is tragic. The, to yeah. me, that is the, what Lewis talks about as being the northernness, northernness. the feeling oh, that hits yeah. you when you're driving out in the nowheres and all of a sudden there are trees and lilac bushes and wild roses and daffodils. Like the things that it's, someone, someone planted their life here. There's probably a family graveyard nearby. There is that to me is this like, Oh, it's so beautiful and it's, sad and to wonderful. Me, and what it is that seems like it's always the sort of mark of that is there's an apple tree, like yeah, by fruit itself, tree. and daffodils, and it's like yeah, sometimes, but sometimes you can kind of see where there was a foundation or mm-hmm. there, and a lot of those are next to. A lot of them are on the same property that the family is still working, where there's uh-huh. new houses are built, yeah. and that's less it, sad. It's less yeah. sad, but when you just blow past one, that's just kind of out there. There it was, mm-hmm. and you think whenever you see that, it's really the Psalms, the like, like we're just a mist. Yeah, you know, this is just happening so fast because those aren't even very long ago. No, but the uh, the other one that gets me, but this is a different kind of tragic, was. Uh, there's a little farm town near here, and, and just outside of town, there's this big, somewhat grand mansion, like, for for a little farm town. It's not a mansion, but it's, like, for that little town, it's a big, like, trying to be a stately home. But it was never, it was never lived in, because a man uh, came out from, from the, the east. Town yeah, he one? came out from yeah. the east, and he built this for his bride, and she came out and wouldn't live in it. And so, well, happy time. And it just tells you that that people have been stinkers for a long time. Okay, somebody tagged me. <laughs> now, oh wait, I have to. Now I'm gonna have to look this but up. Can you imagine? Like he came out and he built this house for you, and you're like, nah, I don't like it. Oh well, what? I mean, goodness, talk about not being. Um, I have to look this up. Who the author of Eat, Pray, Love is? Because, because. Because that seems on Bia, topic. Biakua's. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is actually on topic. No, it's not the same author that I was thinking. Okay, so somebody, I just was wondering. I was like, wait, is this the author that I needed to know about? Somebody tagged me because people are thinking of me when they run into bad deeds <laughs> on the internet. And somebody tagged me in a life coaching, um, some kind of a goal cast or something. And it was a woman telling her sad, 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 sad story. Okay. And her sad, sad story amounted to she did not marry for love, but she ended up married to a wonderful man who living in Italy by Lake Como in a beautiful life with a beautiful Vespa and everything, except the one problem was she wasn't happy. <laughs> and Why did she not marry for love? We're not sure. Money? We're not sure. She, she was married. a wonderful. He was a great man. She, she might have married, married for, for money. Lake Como she might have married did. for the life. She doesn't go into that. She doesn't dabble in that. What she tells about like, is how the internal pressure built up to such a point that she was grabbing onto a wall in the hospital where they were going to visit a friend and realizing like she could jump out of the window or she could just leave her life and leave the marriage. And so that 
was how she chose her own happiness. And after nine years of marriage, she took the plunge of saying, I'm not happy, I'm leaving you. And just did that. Like, and then and everyone's and now, supposed to see that as And now heroism. she's giving emotional renditions of this great act of, <laughs> of um, valiance, you know, <laughs> while violins are playing in the background. And she's talking about, she's saying that this, this beautiful painting that she had crafted of her life was like cracking. And they have these graphics of like, as the painting is cracking, this like rays of sun are coming through. Like she was able to... She was able to burst out of the confines of, <laughs> of, of her promises. Of her commitments. Yeah. Her I vows. Was, I was able to break free of the things I said I would do. I, and when I broke free of those, I found that I was amazing. And I, my happiness was the most important thing. But the, the thing that I thought was funny, I did not take very long looking at this, but as I scrolled briefly in the commentaries of how people were receiving this fine work. Mm -hmm. I think too many people know someone who's had that selfish person in their life Uh, to think it's funny because it seemed to be that this great, there's a little bit of realism. It seemed like a lot of people were like, I'm sorry, (laughs) poor guy that married you and gave you nine (laughs) years of his life to have you suddenly burst out and decide, never mind, for no actual reasons. But your emotions, you know, like just, you didn't feel like it was making you your happiest. No, your emotions are, are tedious taskmasters. And the, but the worst problem is you can't leave them behind. So wherever you go, when your emotions were the, the, uh, what the, when the, when they were the, the unkind, harsh master in your life. You break out of your life, but your emotions are still being no. your master. They're they coming ride the with train you. with you, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it this is Yes. So I don't know why that this reminded me of an illustration we've used with our kids when people want to keep when they want to keep going back to like feeling guilty or having you know, or they want to keep some emotional entanglement of some kind. Where it's like, you know, if you've been forgiven because because they go to a classical school, they know about the people who did the work on the triremes, <laughs> the people, okay. the people who were below deck, you know, shackled, rowing, oh. miserable, murderous okay. life where people are dying there all the time. And it's like you know, Jesus came and he got you out of there. And nothing is more unattractive than running back on board and getting down below and buckling on your <laughs> shackles again. <laughs> like, like this is. This is the Especially part. Especially not when you go down there and then say, what a sad time I'm having. Ah, poor me, poor me. <laughs> have you noticed how I lo- got locked up again? It might have been me that did it. It might be that I'm just even posing with this the shackles this, on myself. This brings us back to that excellent video of Moses that you have of him crawling, going back behind the sofa <laughs> and sticking his head in a crack. Uh, I stuck. <laughs> I stuck. It, yes, it was like, no, you're not. You certainly are not stuck. This is not my fault. This is someone else's fault. Anyways, (laughs) it was funny to me because you think the problem is so many people are unhappy. And they're unhappy because they don't know God. And then when you tell everyone that the solution to your unhappiness problem is to just hurt more people and make them unhappy. Well, the thing that's ironic is who, for whatever reason, she she married the Lake Como. uh, Not for love, but for... I don't know what would make you do that in these modern days aside from pure 
selfish ambition. Like, yeah, but it was yes, and she whatever. kept coming back to ab- about how afraid she was to tell her dad, but like never mentioned that it would be hard to tell her husband. But what nine I mean years. is like so so let's just make up a backstory here that she was doing it because it looked like an amazing life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she thought that circumstances would bring her happiness. Right. Then lo, she discovered that circumstances did not bring her happiness, so she quickly tried to change the circumstances right so they would to bring, get the happiness. to get the happiness and, and there's a temporary relief because there's a temporary like surge of emotions of some kind but it it's like you know how if you ever um i don't know like if you rub your eyes and you get those like sparkles that you know for a minute yeah mm-hmm. you, whenever you try and look directly at them it moves you yeah. can't look directly at it i feel like that's like people's chasing their happiness is every time they pivot and go for yeah. it 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 vanishes it moves and and they keep thinking well if i just dash left it will if i could just change my circumstance this much i would feel better i'd be happy and then in it just was it it was really illustrative of how trying to serve your own happiness is the most unhappy unhappy position of all to be just trying to constantly feed something that is so difficult to satisfy well, impossible to satisfy. Yeah, but because... And actually, we were already talking about Lewis and his feelings of northernness, but how he describes that, um, he describes it... I think it's in Surprise by Joy, isn't it? He talks about mm-hmm. his feeling of northernness. For him, is that it was like some overpowering feeling of... How would you describe it? Like longing, longing or yeah. um, beauty that is just so big that you can't you can't get a handle on it. Like it overwhelms you with this yeah. moment. Of something. Um, anyways, that's it's how longing. he it's... describes it as northernness because for him that was where he always mm-hmm. got that feeling was in the this kind of northern. Baldur the beautiful is dead. Is, is dead. dead. Yeah, and he's really moved by that. And I can remember. I think the first time I ever really, really felt that way, like an overwhelming joy, it was not the first time. It was the first time after having read Lewis that I thought connected you, yeah. it with this, where I walked outside and it was the fall. So when we lived on Harrison Street, and there was mm-hmm. a yellow maple, like really yellow, with the sun all pouring through it in uh-huh. a way that was, like the beauty of this moment is so far out of our grasp, but we yearn for it so much in some yeah. way, you know, it just overwhelms you. And and now for an abrupt turn in the conversation, I'll tell you where I'm going. This just prompted by northernness, that feeling, that overwhelming joy. It does happen throughout your life, but it never happens when you're focused on getting it, which is what no. Lewis points out. Yep. That if you start pursuing that feeling, it does not happen. And this is where I'm going to abruptly apply this to your birth plan. Wow. Which is, yeah, okay. didn't see that coming. No. But this is a place that I see it coming up all the time because your birth, like having a baby, that is a moment of overwhelming beauty longing glory this moment that is just so so sweet yeah like it is a a moment of a different kind of high point than you otherwise will ever experience sure and in that moment if you are trying to have a birth so that you can have that moment you will never ever never get it but if you were trying to to just glorify God and protect this baby and bring a baby into the world, the joy is totally overwhelming and beautiful. Even in, I have seven children and I've had all manner of, I've had 
a quite a diversity of birth experiences. You know, mm-hmm. some some births that were not great, some that were magnificently like if if we could all just book that birth again, we <laughs> this would be great. And uh, and some in a, in a C-section and in all of them there is that joy when you're not pursuing your own joy. Yeah. Like when you're not there for your own feelings, there is an overwhelming joy and beauty in that moment even when something didn't go perfectly well well I think that it has so many more applications than just because that's in a sort of life changing event but I think this happens down to the smallest most mundane things you do all day even if it's just what you decide to cook for dinner if you're if you're trying to capture the <laughs> joy it it will escape you somehow like like if you cook a great dinner for your people because you know they love it and you know they'll be happy then it will be great if you cook the dinner for them so that they will all be so impressed with your generosity and they will all right. rise and call you blessed in the city gates um that might not happen and and your basically your goal setting you don't put your obedience in like a like a coin in the joy vending machine well but it's like it's sort of like what are you in this for exactly mm-hmm. and if you're in it for the reward solely it can it often well, I was doesn't say, pan out even sometimes you might make it because you think everyone will enjoy it and it might be a weird night where people don't enjoy it for some reason but the yeah. the cheerful spirit has <laughs> evaporated from the children well <laughs> or, well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, even if you're doing it for a good reason, you might not get yeah. the result that no. you anticipated, but if you're doing it for the right reason, you don't really, you just keep on faithfully doing it because you also yeah. get wild results when you yeah. never saw that coming. But I just think it's the kind of over scripting things, trying to right. write, write the plot. Uh, usually you will find yourself not living up to your own expectations, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? But I think that that an understanding that when there are those moments of just overwhelming joy and delight and and beauty that and longing for longing for I always think of it as being like what the Psalms talk about is the Psalms isn't it that we have eternity in our hearts that mm-hmm. that that longing that we really were made for another world and those moments are moments when we catch some glimmer of what that other world will be you right. know and we have an overwhelming longing because it's where we belong like yeah. that's what we were made for that kind of glory and beauty and all of this right and but i think that we have that longing we have all of this but we don't get to like we don't get to stop and and try to dictate when we're going to feel that or right. how it's going yeah. to happen because it's just a pit of despair it also is i think entirely unpredictable when it's going to hit you and oh yeah, you know and what you I mean. Know you have it when you have friends who are like, I just had this moment where I was just looking at our dog, and I was just like, like I cannot get into that moment with you. <laughs> I do not understand. But they're like, but you see how how I thought, and actually, I should totally tell this one. I can get into the moment. I already told you this, but I didn't tell the podcasters. What? And I'm looking at your um, phone, but not because I'm trying to look at your text. It was my friend okay. Gentry called me to tell me this and I loved her observation where she was saying you know that that terrible tragedy in Spain with the two-year-old that fell down the well well you told me about it yeah yes so the two-year-old that was down the well and the and the parents just 
so, I mean, so awful and so sad. And knowing that your baby is down there and you can't, there's like nothing to do. And I think that they, I don't know, I didn't read much about the news story, but I think that they could like hear the baby down there, but they couldn't Mm -hmm. get to them. And, And just a really, really sad time. And in that time, what struck her as she was like driving to Walmart thinking about it, you know, I love this, was how much in all of your sympathy and sorrow and and heartache for those parents, you would not ever say, take my child instead. Put my child down that well instead of no. your child. No. And how when God took all of our sin and shame and grief and said, put it on my son, that it was not, it was magnified because that it's not like Jesus just took one hardship. Right. It's all of the grief and shame of every individual situation all together at one time. Right. And God really did say, take my son. You know, this is my son who I love and whom I'm well pleased. Take him and put all this on him. And it and it is so beautiful because we don't even have even kind of the category to think of it. But it's no. not but you can get a glimmer because you know how horrible like how horrible it would be yeah. to have your child there. Right. Anyways, all of that to say, really quite roundabout. Um should I pull up the questions that we were supposed to talk about oh, today? Sure. I did a good job. I'm really pleased with myself for recording the questions into a note. Oh, well done. Yeah, cuz otherwise they just get lost. We know we had a f- I was yeah. pretty sure. Um Okay, this is this one is. Uh, I'm thinking about humility a lot lately. Stop thinking about yourself so much, etc. And I can't quite get the better of one particular aspect of this death to self, serving others, thing to clean up after my kids or to not clean. Mm. I am responsible to teach them to think of someone other than themselves. So that trail of clothes from the back door to your bedroom is right out, or is it? I'm wearied by the reminding and reprimanding and maybe some yelling and probably a little crying. Will they learn humble service by seeing me pick up after them or will they not even notice? Uh, would it be better for my soul to stop the frustration and weariness and just serve them or would it be better to learn how to get a grip and teach them without losing it? Uh, if so, how? Yeah. I think it's... I think it's... So. I think that last one was it, which is get a grip and learn how to teach them but without anger, undue emotion. And if so, how? Yes, that is indeed the question. That's uh, yeah. That's the money question I right think there. the question is... I can think, I borrow some of your mentholism? Yeah, yeah, you can. I think the first step of it is that recognizing that, yes, all of your frustration or anger or snippiness or selfishness is out. But it's not either that or just yeah. doing it all yourself. It's like it's, the square of opposition here. Right, exactly. There are other options here than that. Yeah. So it often can seem like, well, I could be kind and gracious and do all the work and then my kids will grow up to be selfish little pigs. Or I could lose it at them and force them to do it, in which case they'll be humble, but then I've been that mother. You know, like... Yeah. But ideally, you don't have to choose between those. But that is the question is, how do you do it? And I would just say it's a lot of um, prayer and a lot of repenting when you fall down and a lot of praying for grace before you face it and a lot of trying to be creative and think of new ways to attack the same problem. And 
Uh-huh. Um, we change it up a lot. Like, this is... I don't know if this is just us, but there is no one approach to cleaning or jobs that would work for us in, in the sense that we really do want to be teaching our kids how to be as humans. You know, how to be people who see problems and get involved mm-hmm. in fixing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't, and I, in my opinion, I don't know how you could teach all of that with just one set routine of everyone's chores, but I might just not be the human who can mastermind that. But what we I end up feel doing, like life changes so fast. Yeah, that's that, true. You know, every time you feel like you've got it nailed, something else right, comes so back, along. Back when our kids were littler and we had a playroom downstairs, I would send them all, the ones that were old enough to, down there and say, I want you to look at the room, look around, what's the most important things that need to be done? Like, what are the big messes? And then you come back up here and you tell me what you're going to take responsibility for. And so they would come tell me. And I'd say, great, that means you're on the Legos. That means all the Legos is your problem. Mm-hmm. You know, someone else has said, it's the doll clothes and the dress-ups. I'm like, great, then you handle that. You know, and so... But the reason we did that is I wanted them to be people who could look at the whole picture of what are we trying to accomplish mm-hmm. here and and actually think in strategy and teamwork kinds of ways. Like, what will make the biggest difference? Yeah, um, and, and I think being a mom who stays cheerful through it is probably the single most effective thing you can do to teach it. Right. Because you you just muddy the water when you get tweaked at everybody. I think it's because I, I, sometime I wrote on this, I think I know why this is though, is that when you are joyful, people look at the object of your joy. Like when they don't look just at your joy, they look at the object of it and Mm -hmm. that is what they're looking at. When you are angry, people don't look at the object of your anger. They they watch you you. be angry and they look at you. And so the difference with your children, when you are joyful, they look with you at what does she see that's joyful here. So when you're joyful about how are we going to clean this up, how are we going to love on each other, so this is things I might do with my kids. Daddy's going to be home in a few minutes. Let's try to get this together and make it look nice before he gets here. Kind of like there's a little goal, and we're all trying to look together at the idea of having Mm -hmm. a nice moment as a family. Mm -hmm. Like, let's do this together. Then the difference when I get super peevy about... Why are all the backpacks and the shoes and who brought in gravel and put it on the doormat? And why did you do this to me? Does no one care about me at all? Like when you, when your temptation is that not a solid person looks at the mess and thinks this is reasonable. They look at you and they think she's not safe. What happens is they look at you the way you're looking at the gravel. Yeah. They're like, like, what they're doing is they stop looking at the mess in the entryway and they start looking at the mess that is their mother. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, I think that's exactly right. That's what I mean by I think we do you, not communicate our we we don't communicate what we're trying to communicate no. when we get angry. No. We communicate uh, that mom can't be trusted, that she's an angry bear, that she's not. But we often feel like, especially well, only when we're in the grip of it. I think we feel like by displaying our angry face at everyone, we're going to make them take it. They seriously. will see yeah. how serious this is. They will finally understand right. at last how it's unbearable like, they are. Like, my angry face is my most effective tool that I pull out mm-hmm. of my tool belt and then I wield it And at boy, everyone. when I do that, don't we get great results? <laughs> Just great ones. Right. And the thing is, is like, uh, you have completely distracted everybody away from what you're trying to 
make them notice. What you're trying to emphasize. Yeah. You're like, look, underlining this basic kindness to others that you're failing to accomplish. <laughs> and what they're looking at is you spittle-flecked and <laughs> gripping your Sharpie and being like, ah! And it's not effective. So, no, but you do also, you don't want to raise a bunch of entitled kids who don't know no, how to pick up. No. And I, that has been done more than once is weirdly weirdly something that currently seems to be the mo of a lot of young people yeah yeah not contributors yes that is the thing everyone bewails about millennials and stuff is and and you really don't want to raise that kind of kid so i think if if you just run around behind your children and around the front of them and sort of paving their way and making everything cushy and smooth for them and they never have to pick up anything, uh, you are doing them a very deep disservice. Like I think teaching your children how to take responsibility, work hard, pick up, that's really important. But more than anything, it's teaching them to be able to do that and be cheerful, which means you have to show them how. Yeah, because that's a... So we never did... We don't do chore charts and things, although I'm not opposed to people doing that. We just know, we just don't do that. What we do is we have a high standard of if your mother tells you to do something, you're going to do it cheerfully and right away and no complaining. And, you know, like, so when we all chip in, we make everyone, it's, it's, the standard is you'll be cheerful and you'll do the work. Not, um... Yeah, You'll just and- tick these boxes exactly right. But, like, no, you know how to jump in and do stuff. One one trick I've had before, one of my master level mothering tips. Pretty sure I've probably shared this before. Is I would say we set the timer for, like, we're going to do 30 minutes of cleanup and everyone's going to work. And you're going to just clean and see what needs to be done and help. Mm-hmm. And then we made a platter of disgusting snacks. Oh, and yeah, you have this was this. the one where... If I catch you not working, or if I catch you being grumpy, or if I catch you doing something like dancing with the broom instead of <laughs> instead of sweeping, <laughs> alternate alternate tasks, you know, that you had to eat. I feel like the worst one we did was like somehow there were marshmallows and pepperoncinis, and <laughs> and and the kids all helped me craft the worst snacks of all. We had like a cheese it with a bunch of um, stone ground mustard which only scares other I mean scares my children stone ground uh-huh. mustard and cheese it's and something grotesque on top of that I don't right. know what it was a maraschino mm-hmm. cherry or something right we just the grossest and so he said that's the consequence of being found not chipping in is yeah. that we would all gather around and watch you have to eat a disgusting snack was, <laughs> but but the reality is Everybody did a great job. Everybody worked hard. And everybody thought it was hilarious and was enjoying yeah. each other and having a fun time. Right. Yeah. Which is which is good. Can I just uh, pivot really fast, though, and bring up something else that I think needs to be sure. spoken of? do it. Might be rude. Well, might be too Becca, rude. has that ever held us back? Well, no. Now that you say Spell it. it for me. Well, Give me some okay. sign language. This is, this is a thing that I feel like I see in the world... And my girls see it in the world, you know, just because it's kind of more their generation. I'm in, in fact, I'm kind of stealing one of my daughter's paper topics because this is why we were talking about it. Hmm. The the girl crushes. Ah, oh, that's not rude. That's inappropriate. Well, but it's. I mean, obviously, everyone knows it's inappropriate. 
if it was to be true. But using that sort of lingo, you know what I mean? And, and gushing about each other in that way. And so the kind of friends that are just, it, it's a friendship that we never allowed with our kids. And I think that it's, well, we had reasons for it, right? But I think that there's a lot of sloppiness in friendship. And I know we talked about friendship a few weeks ago, um, <clears throat> about not feeling like you have to have that one, one bosom buddy or whatever necessarily. And if you do great, right. but there's the kind of super gushy, snuggly, baby talky, pet each other's hair thing that happens when you're in like your early teens, but then it kind of keeps on and the kind of girls that are always telling each other how hot they are on their We've talked about that Instagram before. posts, have we? We because talked about that a long time ago, about not telling all your sisters that you're super sexy or smoking hot or yeah, like, ooh, yeah, total Or saying crush I have a crush on you. Or, yeah, why, or guys, talking about why? we're such a cute couple, you know, the two of us. It, it's just wrong-o. weird. And I think just really unhealthy. Like, it's just a... It's allowing yourself but I to think go... It's, I think it's a... You know I've been on my social media crusades of yes, the Department have. of Hell No. But the thing the thing about this kind of thing is that it's not meaningless. And when Christians right. start dabbling in that, that would be a foolish relationship for you to have with a man. An exceptionally foolish Right. One. So what I'm saying, so so say it was a potentially appropriate sexual relationship. It's an inappropriate way to go about it. Like say you're a <laughs> single woman and this is a guy that you're interested in posting all the time about how hot he is and how like it's not biblical standards for anything. Like we're <laughs> we're such a cute couple is well that one is less egregious, uh, like less egregious as from the others. But my point is still, you want to be really aware that you're behaving like a biblical Christian and not just mm-hmm. someone who picked up all your mannerisms from dumb Instagram accounts. <laughs> like, are you actively, practically trying to apply the word of God in how you go about your right. life? Or are you just picking up terminology from someone who you thought had cute shoes and that was it? <laughs> that was your standard. <laughs> Your standard was, yeah. I like her style, but and she said someone else, Rawr. and so I, like, do that. so I do that too. I like to growl at passing <laughs> other girls on Instagram. Yeah, and, and I Weird. think that, like, let's just say that we happen to live in the society that our great-grandmothers lived in, where they probably didn't even know that lesbianism existed in the world right. until they were married with three children when they found out Maybe. about it. If they did. If they ever did. Yeah. So let's say that we lived in that world. Well, there are certain things that wouldn't be automatically assumed. But we live in, like, this is the front burner topic for everyone. Can we pause it for a second? Can you pause it? I'm just going to let everyone know that it will probably cut off. So anyway, I think if we lived in that society, then there wouldn't be, you wouldn't leap to conclusions necessarily. But because homosexuality is something that's being pushed so hard as an agenda that there's just a certain level of foolishness if you insist on walking around holding hands with your friend. partly because have you actually checked? Because I'm going to say, no, you haven't. 
Like, you probably certainly have not first cleared your friend. Uh, like, you don't have any same-sex attraction problems, do you? <laughs> right. Because before, I need a, I need you to sign on this dotted line that this won't be a temptation for you or potentially right. incur any problems. Right. It's like, you did not have that conversation. What no. you're doing is acting like your own sexual behavior is trite and a joke and nothing else. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's funny. And I think sometimes girls do this, and I'm talking about Christian girls, basically. You know, right. like the, the kind of girls who are, let, we're just going to assume that they're innocent. I think a lot of the time it, it's done as a way of getting the guy's attention too. Like it's a weird, mm, it's a yeah. weird flirt play. And I just think like. I think it's kind of when, putting yourself out there as a sexual commodity. Like, like I am on everyone's radar about what turns me on or it's or, just weird. Or just being like. I, I feel like you see girls do this where they're where they're way too physically affectionate with each other in front of the guys in a weird way. Like, yeah. And I just think as mothers, just really don't let your girls start down that path of like, of just too physical, too gushy, too sweetsy romantic, like romantic talk with other girls. I just feel like the whole thing is just rife. It is rife Life? with opportunities for dumb sin. But it's and partly because there's a feedback loop. There's a reason people are doing it. You say yeah. it to other people and then they say it to you. You know, like you mm -hmm. tell people that they're incredibly hot and then they'll tell you that you're hot. And then that way, whenever you're having a down day, you have some people that you can quickly tap to tell you how hot you are. There's some yeah. kind of a reason for it. And yeah. it, what it is, if you look at it straight on, is is not one that you want to get involved with. It's like, why would you want to get? No, and I on feel that? like best case scenario, it's just like really socially inappropriate behavior. It's like chewing with your mouth open, or or like not teaching your girls how to not talk with food in their mouth or something. It's just sort of like, let's just be a little more together shall we like there's little, that piece. a little hold some of your cards a little closer <laughs> like if there's another girl that you really love her sense of style you can tell her that in a completely yeah. appropriate way we're not yeah. saying don't give a don't no. give a compliment no it's not about we're that. saying don't growl at her say i really love the way you put your outfits together. I That's know. really pretty. I know. That's not weird. You can say that to people without having like, it be any. But when you start being like, hot mama. Woo, doggy. <laughs> and fanning yourself. And whistling. Hello. No. <laughs> no. Like, back out of this. And plus, it's so stupid because it's imitating the worst kind of male behavior. Well, and the kind of male behavior that everyone is hashtagging these the days. The Gillette's going so far as to make ads <laughs> trying to prevent it. Why are we trying to do this? Like, oh, what possible reason could we have for this lingo and this way of no, talking? It's really horrid. And the problem is, that's just not, it's not a, it's not a good setup. Among the young girls, it is not a good setup for nope. thinking that that's the way that your life is supposed to be. Because girls are altogether more constantly supportive of one another's feelings than any godly man is going to be in the future. You know, like if you mm -hmm. think that if you think that what a relationship is supposed to be like is you waking up to your husband 
just explaining to you how beautiful you are first thing in the morning all the time. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Like you, you have Rach, a. I don't know what kind of marriage. Yeah, you have. apparently I just announced that that's not the way it works in my marriage. Praise the Lord mm. that there's other things. You know, there's other work to be done. That's not just all being impressed with me. I. This is a really funny thing to. Um, add on here but I just noticed this because I've been so deep in the annals of self-love and self-care lately and feeling like really you can't walk a step without no, having it slap so you in the face omnipresent and I just found out I know it I know for all listeners it doesn't mean this but I still think it's very funny that it was just the Chinese New Year and you know how like 2019 was the year of self-care but now it's the Chinese New Year which turns it into the year of the pig <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think yep. that there must be something in that. Like, I was think like, it's the true. Year of the pig. Swinish We're behavior. We're on it now. Everyone's going to mm-hmm. be a pig this year. So, but what I was going to say is because I've been out there in the self-care times building file folders of horrible <laughs> memes. <laughs> I'm not looking for them. My, my, my friendly followers are plundering their own, their own Facebook, you know, friends yeah, of theirs yeah. that share it. Etc. Etc. And but one of the things that has just really struck me, everyone brace yourselves because I know you're going to get mad at me. But something started coming up a lot are these videos of ladies trying to show us how to do our hair if we haven't showered in like four weeks. Like what is going on here? And and I find it very funny because it's it's like this passion for dry shampoo. Yes. It and I I just like to say. I have no problem if we were with really... a dry shampoo in the world. But when it is like how to make yourself look amazing even when you're actually just being dirty and lazy, what is that? Well, it's also sort of like it's kind if of this a cultural phenomenon. The, if this was the year of self-care, I think you'd be Could maybe you shower, slightly though? more groomed. Like, I don't understand how someone... So I happened upon one that was like a 35-minute video of someone who was going to show us how to style your hair super fast but it was still like 20 minutes of hairstyling probably and then after that unpack her box of beauty supplies that she got from whatever thing she was on okay but if you have 25 minutes to just style your hair i think you should wash it that's how i felt maybe try washing the tutorial though Maybe. Try taking a shower. I know. Well, there's but that. But in this, the in this instance, in I this particular to, I instance, I have to sympathize, was... though, because I know that when I had a house full of toddlers running amok, there are definitely times when you're like, a shower will end up with the house burning down around Sure, but... but... I cannot. Now, I just think that, like, okay... If you're there are there are extenuating circumstances and there might be moms who who just are in the trenches and they want to still be able to look cute but they but haven't been able to. But this is not that to. because this is someone with a full manicure, yeah, yeah, tons yeah, yeah. of makeup, yeah. explaining to us how to quickly style our hair. Like a 20 minute hairstyle was the fast one with a ton of dry shampoo because you haven't washed your hair in at least a week. 
Like seven maybe, to eight maybe days. Maybe it's because they're blowout aficionados. Probably. I probably know nothing about this world except for I would just like to say that I found it funny. The funny parallel between mm-hmm. you don't need to apologize for anything. You're amazing the way that you are. And mm-hmm. also, we've decided to quit washing our hair <laughs> as a bunch of women. Why, though? Why are we giving that up? I thought it was kind of one of the luxuries of our life. <laughs> it's true. Okay, we have to do tips because I have to go back and teach a class. So, Okay. What do you got? My tip? Yeah. Give us a good idea. Pressure's on. Yeah. Um, my tip is... No, you Shower. Do, you Take, do one Wash first. your hair. Wash your hair. I'm a big fan. I'm an advocate of hair washing. Well, I'm going to go home I'm going to hold it. these two Just, things together because I'm not offended by dry shampoo. And I'm not offended by people who like to wash their hair not every day. Well, here's the thing. Uh, last week when I talked about the petty demon that was afflicting us, I think I forgot to loop in the other piece, which was one of the elements in our hot water heater burnout. Oh. So that it was like you you can have hot water for like a split second and then it's gone with the wind. So I've been basically terrified of the shower for the last week, but it's fixed now. And so mm. it's my life my is tip, My tip be that better. I'm planning to do since we're building a house right now, and I'm hoping, we'll see if we can, I'm wanting to get a valve uh, thing added in the plumbing so that the kids shower so that it turns off the hot water after like 12 minutes. <laughs> That's so mean! Rachel, it's not mean. Mean. It's very loving. It's what mean. if you don't have enough hot water for everyone to shower? It's a nice way to keep people hopping out of the shower. I think it's mean. In a big family, children can take a shower for seven hours. If you didn't, you didn't notice. I think that can be the case even in not a big family. Yeah, but in a big family, you might not notice until like hour three when you're like, <laughs> "Wait, where have you been?" And and it happens because in a big family, people like it's their big chance at privacy. They get in there and the door's locked and no one's gonna come in, so they're like, "Heck, I'm gonna stay in here all day. This is magical." And in a big house, I feel like I really will not have any idea how long someone's been in the shower so I think it's wise that is so funny yeah uh-huh you I could know. also just put a timer in there and say when the timer buzzes you have to come yeah out. but you know the timer would go and they'd be like well I can't get out now because my hair is sudsy so I better <laughs> I better not yet and then they forget and they start writing their novel while they're in there <laughs> This is my pot when my uh, are when you was, the question is are you gonna have your own hot water set for twelve minutes also? Or is it just in the Why kids' bathroom? Why would I be yeah, that okay. way? Yeah, okay, all right, <laughs> no. just checking. So the funny thing is, the when my kids were little, this is the same principle. When the twins were babies, and I had two toddlers, and I was nursing the twins, and life was horrible chaos, I had them. Um, no, not horrible, funny chaos. Mm-hmm. One of the things I did that was very smart of me, just came upon me, put a baby gate in our bedroom door. Yeah. And in the morning, I would make sure our bedroom was clean. Like, I would make our bed, tidy up our room. Mm-hmm. Our bedroom was a nice place to be. Yeah. And then, when I had to change the babies, or um, I did this with Blair also, so when there were four toddlers and then one baby, yeah. I would nurse them in our room, or, well, not always, but sometimes, and yeah. change them in there. Because by having the baby gate, the other kids would come to the gate and stand there and be like, she's so cute. No. And I could talk to them 
without having that problem where you're nursing the baby and the other kids are all climbing on you and yeah. you feel like the only thing you're saying, they're being very loving mm-hmm. and all you're doing is being like, get off of me, get down, back up, don't touch her. Why are you doing this? Like the baby's falling asleep right. and you're like, get away from me, you children. And I found by putting the baby gate there that it really sweetened our conversation because I was not always telling them to stop. We could just talk about how cute the baby was with no, there was a good good boundary there. And that's how I feel like why it would be good instead of me pounding on doors and trying to get people to take it as urgent. You need to get out. I think it would be very funny to just have the hot water turn off That's a good idea. as a known thing. I'm just like, but could you just turn it off and then turn it back on? If you were determined to take a long shower, you could. Well... I don't actually know how this valve system works, mm, so it's true. I can't well, tell you. I actually have to go. I have to go all teach right. a class. Everyone, Good luck to you all. It's been real. All right, we'll goodbye. See you next week. You think of yourself now, and then in four years' time, what do you want yourself to look like? And is the education that you're considering going to help you get to that place. When you're a student, you want to become like your teacher. You're going to become like your teacher. Looking at NSA beforehand, I knew I wanted to become like the men who are teaching here. Fireman, husband, father, doctor, no matter where you want to go, NSA is just such good preparation for the person that you want to be. If you want to be an effective Christian, you need to be able to lead and shape culture. If you want to do that, no matter what your occupation is, you need to shape yourself, um, prepare yourself as a person for that job. And liberal arts is, I think, the best education you can have for that. To learn more, check us out online at nsa.edu.